Hey, Redeem family, thank you so much for joining us for Redeem Online this weekend. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I was actually spending some time this week reflecting on, isn't it interesting that as you get older, time seems to fly by? You know, I can't believe that Thanksgiving's already over and that we are in the Christmas season. And so I was thinking about one of the things is that as it feels like time flies by faster and faster, one of the challenges is that we don't seem to to find the time or take the time to set our hearts and prepare for the next season that's coming our way. And so I'm challenging us to reflect and process Christmas a little bit differently this year. I'm a, what I call a converted charismatic. I actually grew up in the mainline church. I grew up United Methodist. And one of the things that I love the most about that tradition, though, is the deep traditions and the, the practices that I grew up doing. And one of those is Advent. And each year, our church had one of those old school Advent wreaths. Yes, we are going to have Advent candles at our Saturday night services. But each year, they would have the wreath out. And the most exciting thing to happen to me each year was when my family got chosen to light the candle. Oftentimes, I would be the one that got to light it. That's, you know, basically church when I was young was that was the most exciting is that when I got to light something on fire. I'm sure my mom was terrified if you knew me as a kid you would be terrified as well. But this was a tradition that I loved growing up. And this is a tradition that we still do with our kids. Meg and I still do it with our family, where we practice Advent. And there's nothing spectacular or magical about Advent, but it's simply a practice of reading scriptures, reflecting on each week on, uh, as we light a candle, reflecting each week on one of the attributes of Jesus as we prepare our hearts for this Christmas season. And as believers, we can say that this season is all about Jesus, but are are our reflections and our practices matching up with that? Are we actually making them all about Jesus? And so I encourage you to do this at home as well. You know, if you pop open the the, uh, YouVersion Bible app, there's a bunch of Advent Bible readings in there that you can just sign up for a plan. And I encourage you as a family to spend time reflecting and processing this Advent season together. I know Meg and I will. And so I don't want Christmas sneaking up on us this year. That's one of my hearts for for this body, is that we would be preparing our hearts and setting our minds and our hearts as we prepare for Christmas. And we're processing it because this can be a season that we embrace physically, right? We got to get the right gifts. We try to eat, not, not eat too much. We got all the decorations going on. At my house, the Christmas movies will have Grinch and Home Alone going on like crazy. And emotionally, it can be draining, but emotionally, we can kind of prepare ourselves, right? We prepare ourselves to try to stay sane during this season. But spiritually, sometimes we can miss the spiritual side of a season until it's right up on us. And it will be like Christmas Eve. Uh Uh-oh, I got to remember Jesus. And so we aren't going to be following the liturgical readings in church, but we want this time to be a time where we set our hearts and we prepare ourselves and we set ourselves apart that we would experience Christmas like never before. So that is what we're going to be doing. We are going to be doing Advent together. And if the candle was here, like it will be on Saturday night, the first candle that we would be lighting is the candle of hope. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Do you feel, does anyone out there feel like this is a time where hope seems to be diminishing a little bit? 
I, I seem to feel it. It seems like hope isn't really a thing that's out there very prevalent right now. It's really a challenge. And so in preparing for this sermon, I desire us to leave with an understanding that in a world where hope is, seems to be decreasing, that we must reinstate ourselves as believers, as people of hope. I want us to understand our calling of being people of hope especially during this Christmas season. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about how we as believers and how the people of God throughout time have been people of hope. You know, we, we carry on this tradition of being people of hope. Hope in a word can really seem to be trite, right? We use it for so many things right now, and it can just become kind of trite in our language. For example, I was just reflecting as I was preparing for this sermon, I was saying, what are some things that I have said probably this week or last week that I hope for? Number one, I hope that somehow the Seahawks make the playoffs. It's, it's, it's out there. It's kind of wishful thinking. But somehow, I think the math is still there that the Seahawks could make the playoffs. You know, I was saying, I hope that I sleep through the night. Is anybody else there with me? I'm not the best sleeper. I often wake up at four or five in the morning. And so that was one of the things that I talked to Meg about. I remember saying, Meg, I hope tonight I sleep through the night. You know, I, I, I said this, I hope someday that uh, these, this lifting weights actually produces results. I've been working out. And uh, at some point, hopefully, you will see results of me lifting weights. But we live in a time where hope is often misunderstood and misguided. And so I want to talk about each today. You know, hope is really a hard thing to get your head around. Meg and I were talking about that this week. It's, it's interesting. How do you even talk about it? And sometimes we can reduce hope to simply this optimism. Now, if you met Meg and I, it is like the half glass full and half empty Thing. My wife is optimistic through and through, and I am pessimistic. Don't ever ask me what's the worst thing that could happen because I will tell you and it will be off the charts. You wouldn't even have seen it coming. But this is a thing. Sometimes we can just reduce hopeful people to the optimistic people, right? We know that optimism is a great thing, right? We, they're happier. People are often happier who are, ha uh, who are optimistic. They're oftentimes more successful. And, and, and there's studies that show that you actually live longer if you are optimistic. You know, there was a, I like the, the show Sunday Morning. I, I, it's for old people, but I love it. It's, it's on CBS because they tell great stories. And on one of them, they interviewed this woman who was like the world's oldest woman. And she, I think she was like 120 going on 150. I mean, she was, she was really old. But she said that the key to living long, in her opinion, was to be optimistic. And there is some truth to that, but there is a difference between optimism and hope. And we have to reclaim hope in our society, not just optimism. And hope in a biblical sense is a deep state of anticipation. You know, it's kind of like, I think about this, when I was thinking about how do you describe a, a deep state of anticipation, it's like uh, when you were a kid or if you have kids, you experience this. I love Christmas Eve because right before Christmas, the kids that night, it is like anticipation overload. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they are so pumped and ready to see what they have that there is like the deepest state of anticipation that they have. 
But it's not simply hoping for things here on earth. Hope is actually this, in a way, is this, this is critical to our human experience. It's so important that we understand that it's not just about what's here on earth, but it's actually this deep state that we have that's critical to our human experience. And true hope can help us in times of great stress and worry. It, it can help us handle so many adversities that we're going to face in life, and it, and it should motivate us into action for our community. And hope is not this. Hope is not a passive wishing on things. It's actually an active way of living, and I hope that we can see that as we look at this biblically. We'll see that, that in the Bible, it actually is this active stance and not this passive stance. You know, in the Hebrew text, there's a couple words for hope, and, and, and each is, in its simplest definition is simply waiting for. So there's a couple words that there are there, but one of them is this word that they use. The Hebrew text it has this word, kavah, kavah. And the root of the word is kav, which is this idea of a cord or a string. So the root of kavah is kav, which is the, a cord or a string. And when, when that cord is pulled, it creates tension, right? It creates tension. And there becomes an expectation on what's going to happen. And in this tension, there is anticipation and excitement, right? And it brings out this word kavah. And that's, the, that's this concept of pulling this back. Now, one of the cool things is that Marty built these, my, my father-in-law built these bows for my kids, these bows and arrows. And they're made out of wood. They're beautiful. And they're, the, the kids love it. But as they're pulling it back, you can see in their, in their eyes this anticipation, this excitement, as they're waiting for just to see what is going to happen. There's also a look of anticipation in Megan and I's eyes as well of not sure what's going to happen here. But these bows, this cord, this string that's attached to it, pulled back, kava, is this waiting for, this, this anticipation that it is. Hope is this intense waiting for. It's this idea of intensely waiting for, like a cord that's pulled back, it creates this deep state of anticipation. And this anticipation brings so much into our lives. It brings meaning and expectation and hope that propels us forward. And people of faith in the Hebrew text and us today are supposed to live in that anticipation. You know, let's look at just one area, one place that this is, is Psalm 135 through 7. It says this, the, the psalmist writes, and he's in a time of deep, deep despair. And he writes this, I wait for the Lord. This wait is kavah, like a cord that's pulled back. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. We see that the psalmist writes, I will wait, but I will wait with anticipation. In my deepest state, he uses the word, my whole being will wait, for hope is in the Lord. In his, and it says, in his promises, in his word, right? In his word, which are his promises. 
we wait. Even in the depths of despair, we wait. And what do we do? We take on the position of like a watchman in the morning, waiting for the morning. We sit there in anticipation. And that's what hope looks like. This is what we are called to live like in our innermost being. Our whole being waits on the Lord. Now, do you feel this level of anticipation within you, right? Do, do, do you feel like hope is, is like a cord getting pulled back in your innermost being? This active waiting is an interesting concept for all of us to understand. And we see this, actually, the prophet Isaiah uses this word in Isaiah 8, 17. It's, it's, so as Israel is, is sinks in dis- destruction, he says this, I will wait Kavah for the Lord, who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. Biblical hope is always about a person. This is what makes it so different from optimism, right? It's always about the Lord and what the Lord is going to do. You know, as a matter of fact, in, in the New Testament, it's only used as a verb or a noun. It's never as an adverb or as an adjective. And we see as the kavah, we see for the Israelites, the people of God, it's about waiting and hoping on what the Lord will do. It's based on his faithfulness and his promises. We know that, the God, that God is faithful. We know that he promises. And so we wait, we hope, we kavah like a cord pulled back. And as we enter into this Christmas season, we have to remember that for the Hebrew people, this hope was also in a Messiah that they were waiting for. And we know, of course, that that's Jesus, but they were kavah, waiting for the Messiah, like a cord that's pulled back. And throughout this season, we're going to look at many prophecies, but continuing in Isaiah, we see just one of these prophecies about Jesus and the Messiah in Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hope for the people of God was this promise of a savior, of a wonderful counselor, of the prince of peace that's going to come in the form of a child. And they waited for the Messiah who is to come. They understood that they could place their hope in the Lord for what he had done and for what he was going to do and the promises that he had made. And we live in this tension as well. We actually live like a cord pulled back. And as we reflect on this season, we have to reflect on what God has done and what he is going to do because we hope in the Lord. Look, I think some of us think that we live in what, what some people might call a hopeless age. It's tough. I actually was just talking with, with a woman that was here in our building and she was 95 and, and she, she had grown up in Germany and she said, I've seen some tough things, but it seems like this is a hopeless season. And so we were actually just talking about that. And, and you know, for, for some of us and many of us, you know, it might have been hard. This COVID isolation has been difficult. And 
Maybe you're worried about politics and the institutions that are happening. And maybe you're fighting addiction or depression and, and you've been struggling with that for a while. It might feel hopeless. Maybe there's brokenness in your family that you don't see a way out of. Or, or maybe you have people in your life that are experiencing any of those as well and it might feel hopeless. But we have to be people of hope. And so like the Israelites, we have to be like a cord pulled back. We can't, because sometimes we can place our hope on things like security or comfort or government and kings, on money, on relationships, whatever it is. But here's the thing. Everything in this world will ultimately disappoint. If we put our hope on anything in this world, it will ultimately disappoint us. The world around us can feel like it's spinning out of control, and sometimes it does. Or even your personal life might just feel like it's spinning out of control. But everything we do has to be simply this. We put our hope in the Lord. That's simply it. We can't put our hope anywhere else, but we put our hope in the Lord. Even though it might feel hopeless at times, I want to remind you of Jesus' birth story. Because Jesus was born also into an unsettled world. You know, Herod was the king. He was in complete alignment with Rome. And most scholars believe that, that the Jewish people would have had a huge distrust on both. They would have not trusted Herod and they would have not trusted Rome. And so there was this corruption that they knew was happening within their governments. And, he, and Herod, quite simply, was a murderer, right? We know that. And some believe that about 90% of people in Nazareth were, were peasants. And so Jesus' family would have been from there, and hope would not have been very prevalent in that society. Much like today, most, uh, most scholars believe that this would have been a place where hope would have been really difficult. And so we remember that God oftentimes moves within chaos. That's one thing I love about him. And he still does that today. That when it seems like everything is up against the ropes and there's chaos around us, that God moves best in that. I always like this idea that, I, that a pastor always said, is that oftentimes God judo moves us, right? We don't see it coming, but God comes in the chaos. And so we sit and we wait and we hope in the Lord and yet we have expectations that he will move. And that's the story of Jesus' birth. He chooses to move through the lives of humble servants just like Mary. And so even as we see, this angel comes down. And I love reading Mary's poem. It's one of my favorites. And we see that the news is delivered to Mary of what's about to happen. And we see her song in Luke 1, 46 through 49, and we see this in Mary's poem. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, my, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. God is moving through a virgin in Nazareth, a no man's land. Yes, there were prophecies about this place, but this would not be a place that you expected. Remember, they, they said about Jesus, could anything good come from Nazareth? You know, it's during a time of unrest and unease in Jewish society to parents of no high social status whatsoever. And in this context, God delivers hope. 
thousands of years of waiting, of hoping, of cavine, of just like a cord pulled back in anticipation on the Lord to bring salvation through the Messiah. It comes and hope comes when it's needed the most. And I believe that the Lord is still calling us to be people of hope, not to listen to the noise that's around us, but to be people of active waiting and hoping. You know, I want to end this talk with, with a, a little-known story uh, of Jesus' birth, and it's part of the greater Jesus' birth narrative, but it's in Luke 2, so fast forward to Luke 2. Jesus is born, and his parents follow Jewish tradition to take him to get circumcised, right? And to the temple, and we run into these characters, Simeon and Anna, two prophets, right? Not much is known about Simeon or Anna, but there are, we find a couple things about them. One, they're old. We, we find that. And two, they have devoted their lives to faith. You know, Simeon is described by Luke as righteous and devout. And we see that in the text in Luke 2.25. It says, He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. You know, the ESV translates this as looking forward, this anticipation for the future, this hope was on him. Simeon is like a cord that's pulled back. Although he's waiting, he's filled with the hope and anticipation. And through the Holy Spirit, he waits eagerly for the Messiah to come. And he's told that he won't die until he meets this Messiah. And when he meets the baby, what does he do? He praises God in the temple. He's waited and he's hoped and he looked forward in eager anticipation for this day. And during this time of waiting, he's praised and worshiped God. And now when he sees God move through this little baby, he's like a cord that's released and intention, and he's praising God and like a wild man. And I think that's a great example of how we're supposed to be. And so we look at Anna. What do we see with Anna? Verse 36 there was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up, up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. For Anna, what did she do? She worshiped day and night. She prayed and she fasted. And then when she met the child, she went and told people who were what? Looking forward. Those who were hoping for the redemption of Jerusalem, like Kava, who were waiting in anticipation for the redemption of Jerusalem. To be people of hope, we have to take this position. We wait eagerly, and why we do, we worship, and we pray, and we fast, and we have hope, like a cord that's pulled back, ready to explode kind of hope, that we just tell people who are looking forward to what do they need. They are looking for redemption that they desperately need. They're looking for salvation that they desperately need. People who are hopeless still have a hope that they would somehow find redemption and salvation, that they would make the most of this life, that they would understand a deeper meaning to what is happening with their life. And so we deliver that. 
this Christmas season, we are the same. We are to deliver hope and we are to be just people that wait eagerly like a cord pulled back. You know, it, it's not that we hope that the Seahawks do well. It's not that we hope that we get a new job. It's, it's not that we lose hope in a world that doesn't want us to find it. Rather, we understand that God is hope. And this Christmas, we look to the hope of the world who is this person, Jesus. And we tell the world about this hope that they can find only when they hope in the Lord. So as we prepare for our hearts for this Christmas season, I want us to be in this eager waiting period where we are not only just waiting for Christmas, but we're also waiting for the Lord to come back because that's where we find ourselves in. We are kava. We're like a cord pulled back waiting on the Lord to come back. And we are people of hope. Let's get eager. Let's get our, our waiting, our passion back to wait in anticipation at our deepest state to be anticipating what the Lord is going to do. And that leads us to this, complete trust in what God is, has done and what he's going to do. And, and Paul reminds us of this in Romans 5, 5. It says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Being a person of hope doesn't ever put us to shame. It says it right here. Although the world might try, we are never put to shame. It's actually God's love that's pouring out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we now are like the Israelites. We wait eagerly for what the Lord's going to do. And as we go through week one of the Advent, series, Advent week, we look forward to Christmas. Of course we do. But we more importantly look forward to a time where Christ is going to come back. And we actually now become people of hope who are eagerly waiting, who are like a cord pulled back with anticipation for what God's going to do. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for this Christmas season, but I'm going to pray that we would continue to grow as people of hope. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you have done and what you are going to do. We thank you so much, Lord, that you have called us to be people of hope. And we trust in you. We trust in you with all that we are. Lord, help us to, uh, to grow deeper in that kava, that hope, that eagerly waiting for what you're going to do. Lord, we are so thankful that you sent your son down here, that he was born of a virgin to a little servant in, in Nazareth, that you tell a great story, that you came in chaos, and that you brought salvation to the earth, and we lit to live as redeemed people because of that. We thank you for your redemption. Lord, help us to set our minds and our hearts uh, on you, Lord, this Christmas season. We love you with all that we are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We love you all. We'll see you next week. Again, this Wednesday, 7 p.m. at the new building, People's Plaza, if you want to decorate the tree. And we will see you next week.